Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. This is episode 161. Sheesh, sometimes I don't realize how far along we are, but you know what? I only love this more and more every episode, especially when I get a guest who is someone as awesome as the talented DJ producer, Bondar. My guy Oleg was in town from San Diego, and I'm so glad we got to link up in person for this special interview. In episode 161, we discussed it all. We started with his early influences and inspirations. Oleg was born and raised in Ukraine, where electronic music became a part of his everyday life. He moved to Chicago before he was a teenager and delved even deeper into the house and techno world and eventually started DJing. The rest is history. We had a powerful conversation on him becoming Bondar. Oleg has had multiple aliases and produced a few varieties of electronic music over the course of his career, but has recently locked into who he wants to become long-term over the past five years. This opened up a whole world on how important it is to find your sound, but also collaborate with others and try new things. There is so much to learn with music production. Now, of course, we talked about the Bondar discography. Sparknotes, it's extremely legit. He's had some massive releases on labels like Realm, Sola, House of Hustle, Hood Politics, South of Saturn, and Glasgow Underground, just to name a few. He's had some amazing collaborations across the board with talents like Papa Marlin, Burko, and The Beats. We were laughing and having a blast this entire interview, and I know you will enjoy it just as much as we did. Lots of impactful lessons and pieces of advice sprinkled throughout as well. I cannot wait to see this guy again soon. Thank you for making some time to come on Sherman the Booth and make sure you all go show this guy some love and listen to his music. It is incredible. Now enough of me talking. Let's get into this interview so you guys can hear his story for yourselves. This is episode 161 with Bondar. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a very special guest today. He's visiting from Chicago. Well, he's visiting Chicago from San Diego. The former Chicagoan, Bondar, welcome to Sherman the Booth, man. Thank you. Thank you for having Let's me. Let's get it. Cheers. Cheers, yes. Such a pleasure, man. Back in the hometown mm-hmm. and back in this, in the loop. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not too far away from where yeah. you used to be, right? Yes, yes. I used to live here. I used to work here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm visiting this incredible studio. So it's... Hell yeah. Welcome. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we were able to line this up. Yes. Before we, before we get into everything, I got a question I want to ask you. What do you miss most about Chicago? I would say that the party definitely never stopped when I, when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> the party just no. never stopped. No, it does not. There was always some after hours <laughs> somewhere. It was some dude's garage in either, I don't know, Melrose Park. Oh, but- <laughs> you go out to the burbs for the afters, baby. Yeah, yeah well, they didn't. We used to play in Melrose Park. I, there was a resident DJ at, uh, I, there was a 
infamous Energy Thursdays. It was a teen club. I've heard That's of that where actually. I started, kind of started. Yeah. Yeah. That's Fucking right. Melrose Park, baby. <laughs> Mel- Shout out Park. Melrose Park, Illinois. That's right. It's a great suburb. Mm-hmm. Miss the parties. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I I definitely miss all that public transportation. Oh, we don't have that in San Diego. Not the public all. transportation was so clutch here. You could just jump Did on. you even have a car, like, in Chicago? Um, I did, but it was just mostly parked in my garage. Yeah. Uh, I used to just take the train everywhere <laughs> and see my folks in the burbs. And, yep. Uh, you know, get just get everywhere by either... CTA or the Metro. Dude, it, it or is... Or walking. A, yeah, or walking. I'm yeah. a Divi guy. You know the Divis? Yes, I do. You know they got electric Divis now? Oh, no shit. Bro. That's, that's way past my Chicago <laughs> exit electric Divis. I remember the when they just rolled them out. Yeah? That's right. Big deal. It, it was a huge deal. Everybody was taking them to work. I was I was at 333 West Wacker. That was my, that was my gig. Yep. So, taking that bike... Chicago we got lots Franklin. of ways to get around, but mm-hmm. that's the thing about living in the city is like, for every good thing, there's another bad thing, right? But the good things always outweigh the bad. Right. I love Chicago, though, man. I love it so much. I'll always be a Chicago kid at heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Twenty years here. That's well, twenty more, years. Twenty-one in. years I spent in Chicago. Twenty-one years. Now, you weren't originally born in Chicago, though. No, I was not. You're born in Ukraine. That's right. Dnipropetrovsk, Ukraine, now called Dnipro. Uh, because that's their original name before Nipro. the Russians took it over. So um, you, you didn't you didn't even well. What English did you speak when you came to the United States then? Like basic English, definitely yeah. enough to to get around, enough to go and buy some video games at uh, at that time. Funko Land, Funko Land, Funko Land. What the funk is that, man? Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that, that I'm dating myself just just by talking about Funko Land. Um, Somebody will know. Yeah, there was Venture and Funkland right next to each other, uh, but uh, my English was uh, basic. But I uh, picked it up, you know, pretty fast. I was uh, I was going to school, so first year in, I was, I mean, at that age, at being I was twelve when I moved to Chicago. So wow, weren't even a teenager yet. Did you leave a lot of friends behind, or was yeah, it kind of like I yeah, did? Yeah, it was. It was really tough, actually. You know, like, why did you guys move then? Uh, wh- why? Yeah. Um, you know, for bad opportunities, it was like, right. things were getting really dicey in Ukraine. Uh, it was really? the fall of communism, so a lot of things were getting privatized. So there's a lot of infighting in between. Wow. Just uh, you know the the the, the racketeers and uh, the business owners and people who uh, just things were getting divided up. So there's a yeah. lot of um, a lot of violence actually. Um, and a lot of infighting between different uh, groups uh, after, you know, everything used to belong to the government. Yeah. And after the government fell, people just started, you know, scooping things up. And that's how you ended up with, with the oligarchs and people who got really wealthy. Fuck. Uh, they just took over those government, you know, companies yeah. like factories and farms and everything else. Right. And, uh, yeah, we had to, uh, I mean, it, it, it we we lived a pretty good life. My my father was a, uh, a restaurant owner. He he owned a bunch of restaurants, and he was a cook and uh, and a business owner. But uh, yeah, it, it was just getting really dicey. So mm-hmm. it was the next uh, move. Plus, I mean, who doesn't want to live in the United States? Absolutely. So everybody. How'd you decide on here. Chicago then, or how'd the fam decide? We had family here. Okay. Yeah, we had family. We had my um, uh, my uncle and my cousin who moved out here eight years prior they i think moved in either 90 or maybe 89 they were the first to go and uh 
we followed them. We followed them to Chicago. Yeah. And funny enough, I had a great grandfather who ended up taking a boat down to, to New York <laughs> at some point and actually came back to Ukraine. So it wasn't our first, I guess, trip to, uh, <laughs> trip to the United States. It's uh, fascinating to even imagine that people would, you know, migrate like that. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. hundred years ago. Insane, isn't yeah, it? And it really is insane. So we ended up in Chicago and, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for, for anything else. I mean, the city really made me. That's awesome, man. That's right. What a cool, what a cool story. I mean, thank you. That whole side of the world is, is. I mean, you you can speak firsthand how much different it is from a, a cultural perspective, from a socioeconomic perspective, from a governmental perspective. Yes. What was it like, kind of growing up in Chicago, like developing basically a new life, making new friends, trying to learn English? Was that a tough time for you? At first, it was a little tough, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, just uh, I missed all my I missed all my friends. Yeah, man. And I was a huge, uh, you know, what saved my life pretty much uh, was uh, video games. I was a video gamer growing up in Ukraine. Uh huh. Uh, that's uh, that's all I did all the time. I was just beating games. Uh, I had uh, my uh, all, all the consoles. I started with uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred mm -hmm. computer. Uh, I had my NES and then Sega Genesis. Uh, so. Moving to uh, moving to Chicago, video games really filled in that that void that I left in uh, in Ukraine. Yeah, um, well, I, I actually, love video games too. Yes, I love thought them. I was going to be a you know a video game developer, <laughs> and uh, when I first moved to Chicago, it was very interesting because um, this is right when MK4 was coming out, yep. and we got the first arcade machine and also then Annihilation came out and I used to read this uh, Russian magazine they used to uh, talk about video games and you know release cheat codes it was like you know EGM or you know Nintendo Power but a Russian version mm -hmm. and I'll never forget because when I first arrived it was like maybe three four weeks in my cousin took me to an arcade and I yeah. snapped a picture of MK4 <laughs> and sent a letter to this Russian magazine from the US and they published the article uh, saying like we never we've we've had you know letters come in from all over you know Soviet Union yeah 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 but we never had anybody write in from the United States so here's here's Oleg and he, <laughs> here's a picture of the MK4 arcade machine and, yeah uh, this is fascinating so it was super cool Damn. I wish I still had that uh, little you know clip you know little <laughs> clip out from uh, from the magazine because yeah 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 uh, it was. Uh, it was just badass. Does anybody out there in the world have that? Anybody out there? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let us know. It was called The Great Dragon was the name of the, the English translation of the magazine. Great Dragon. Yes. The that's, Great Dragon. That's deep. I guess those are the bosses of almost all, every, every video <laughs> game. Was a, it was a dragon that you got to slay. So. Of course, man. Of course. The final <laughs> boss. I fucking, yes. I fucking love that. Uh -huh. So video games got you through the tough times. Yeah, so when they, did music did. come into your life then? Oh, music! Music was a part of my life since I was, uh, I would say, a baby. Uh, well, yeah, I was baby for sure because parents always had the little boombox playing when you know mm -hmm. I was, I was like, I don't know, two, three years old with the Russian songs. There you go. And as some English music started rolling in, I mean, English music was always a part of my parents' life too. I mean, Beatles English were around. is in like. Britain, right? Like, Just, I guess, music English speaking. In, in, yeah, English speaking Gotcha, music. gotcha. So, you know, hearing it, picking it up, loving music as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then we started getting dance music from Germany, from Sweden coming in. And we had what's called the, these, like, DJ hits tapes 
So my father used to buy them uh, yeah. for his restaurants, for his own enjoyment, and he would <laughs> buy and he would introduce me to these audio tapes. Yeah. And I used to copy them. I used to I figured out I remember by myself just somehow I plugged in headphones into into the actual <laughs> mic jack and I s- spoke into it. I was like, oh my God, this, this is actually a microphone. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't know, six, seven years old. So Shit. I was like recording little voiceovers over these mixtapes. <laughs> like they were not even mixtapes. They were just like a bunch of tracks back to back. Right, right, right. And I got just hooked on it. And I would say the big... I, I was a huge Ace of Base fan, yes. Dr. Albin. It's my life. <laughs> um, and then I graduated. I, I'll never forget. It was like maybe 1990. Yeah. Uh, my dad got a tape of The Prodigy. Yes. It was The it, Prodigy, The Experience mm-hmm. uh, first, and then The Fat of the Land. Jeez. And I was just obsessed. I mean, <laughs> hearing those insane beats and uh robert miles was also another he's he's uh rest in peace uh Mm -hmm. one of my favorite artists of all time he made children and i was obsessed with with his music so i just had it on repeat and i was like hey and he used to refer to himself as dj robert miles dj roberto conchina uh, conchina is the right pronunciation and I was like, I really want to be a DJ when I grow up, whatever that means. I did not even know at that point what, what it meant. I thought <laughs> that's... loved him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like, I thought this is uh, the guy who plays the keyboard. This is the guy who, I guess, makes the music, whatever DJ does. So yeah. it was my dream at that point when I was maybe seven, eight, who, and I wanted to be a DJ. Yes. Uh, on to the, uh, the next chapter that we'll talk about. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's so incredible. So you're growing up in Chicago. Music's already a huge part of your life. What about like when you started getting into house and techno? Did that come high school, like surrounding your friends? Because everybody, every time I interview a Chicago DJ, Chicago, you know, born and raised sort of, and then growing through that, they have this experience out in the burbs. You've heard of Gravity, of course, too. Like all zero fucking gravity dude zero fucking gravity right all those all those places played high energy music yes and this is in the mid 2000s when tiesto was kind of coming to let's let's call it just america right with right. that trance oh, he and, wasn't even like i would say he wasn't even there we're talking about uh, like 1999 yeah 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 exactly exactly so it was a really interesting time for me when i was in high school like dead mouse uh, Brazil was one of the first electronic songs I ever heard, you know yeah, what I mean? And it was cool, yeah, like, where electronic music was going at that point. We'll talk about this later, how so many trends have happened. But do you remember, like, hearing any music during that time and being like, I think I like house and techno? Yes, and it all actually started back in Ukraine uh, before I even moved to Chicago. With, Didn't even have to come here to figure it out. No, we, we I, this, this music was already blown up in Germany. Uh, Bro, and, you were fucking uh, 12 years old when you moved here. That's insane you were into that shit then. That's I, hard for me I as was, an American to understand. You know who introduced me? Well, what introduced me to like the whole happy hardcore and yeah. <laughs> and rave and techno <laughs> was the one and only H.P. Baxter. I was the biggest fucking fanboy and still am of Scooter. Uh, I don't know if you know Scooter. I've but, heard the name, yeah. I mean, these guys released 20 
pretty much number one albums. I, they're, they're the most successful band to ever come out of uh, Germany. Fuck uh, yeah. And they've, they've done it all. From mm -hmm. They started with like Happy Hardcore with, uh, you know, covers of, of, you know, I'm Walking in Memphis, which was, I'm <laughs> raving, I'm raving. Fuck yeah. With the bagpipes and just fucking <laughs> crazy rave beat. And, I need that track. Yeah, the HB Baxter, you, you got to hear it. it. It's actually incredible. It still stands the test of time. This is 1992. Damn. And it still sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> um, so I was just just obsessed with Scooter. Yeah. Uh, so I knew every lyric to the every song. So coming into to Chicago at this mm. point, still a huge you know Scooter fan, still buying Scooter CDs. And then I discovered... B96, yeah. the, 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 the Hot Mix 5 was already pretty much, they were, well, not done, but of course, Bad Boy Bill still had his mix on, yeah. on B96. Yeah. You had uh, Julian Jumping Perez and Bobby <laughs> D. And, and of course, shout out to the one and only Blue Mike yeah. uh, doing the voiceovers. Today. Hell yeah. The mix with DJ Bad Boy Bill. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, doing all the amazing really voiceovers. Good. Yeah, Blue Mike is the man. Um, it's been a while since we've spoken, but uh, he, he, w he was doing the most amazing voiceovers for B96 mm -hmm. for all the DJs. And I started listening to, um, I really loved at that point, Euro was coming into my life, you know, as, as it was referred to here in Chicago, yeah. DJ Markski. Yes. Shout out to DJ Markski. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was playing at Zero. He was playing at, at that time we had a club in Des Plaines. It was a teen club that yep. would turn into a, a 21-up club called yep. Galaxy Club. And that was my first experience with clubbing in Chicago. Um, How old were you then? I was 13, four, 14. I was 14 when I went to Galaxy. So it was from 13 to 17. And it was only from, you, you would go there at, it would start at 7 p.m. and it would end at 10. So it was three <laughs> hours of Bobby D would play, Tukul Chris. Yes. It was Bobby D, Tukul Chris, actually Infinity played uh, a, f a few of those gigs Hell too. Yeah. There it was Everybody was so fucking young. And yeah, it was just a bunch of little kids just, just grinding and dancing to, to Euro music, to, to you know, techno yes. and house, as you know, you would call it. I mean, there were some hard house tracks, some house tracks, yeah. some techno, some uh, rave, whatever. And Special time for you, though. I was obsessed. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, yes, started clubbing at 13, but... Let's actually backtrack a little bit. It gets Started even crazier. It was even crazier because my few last years in Ukraine before I moved, I got there was this trend going on with with roller skating. Okay. So the the, the theater that we had in the, in the in the center of the city got converted into a roller rink, which they would play again techno music. Fuck yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Good. So I was exposed to kind of cl clubbing and you know dark. You know, no light, no light, some lasers Damn. and ska skating, skating to, to dance music. So it was, again, natural progression to going to Galaxy Club, <laughs> learning about what's going on in Chicago, and getting my first set of turntables. This was 1999. Uh, I'll never forget, I ordered them on eBay, and the guy who shipped them to me, uh, <laughs> he packed them, the dust covers, he, yeah. he stacked them both on top of each other. So when they arrived... They were just fucking crushed. Like <laughs> he just put one turntable on top of oh, another turntable. So Jesus. like I had to get them repaired, and then I got my first UC, which was a legendary Chicago label. It was called Under Construction. Oh yeah, by, yeah, 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 yeah. Rest in peace, DJ Attack. Um, 
and there was some legendary artists on it like DJ Rip, Xavier Jacome. Uh, there was uh, Naughty Boy Naughty, and they there was Hard House. It was a Hard House label, so I was just buying up all their records. And I started out as essentially when I was DJing, I was started out as a, like a hard house, hard style DJ. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was bu- I was going around. Youngster with more energy than anybody can handle. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I, was, I was crazy. I was just like, a give me the fast. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so wait, wait, you were DJing them before you were producing then, obviously, right? Yes, yes, um, definitely. I was, I was dabbling with the... With the software because I was always on my computer anyways, yeah. fucking around, yeah. doing shit and you know, cool edited at, at that time and Sony Acid. But yes, I was definitely a DJ. I was a music fan, right? Before fan I, first, yeah. I was. I, I loved music so much that it was just a natural progression to cutting up music, sampling, doing little edits of things and of course playing playing the music i wanted to be like a performer and play in front of people and right. showcase my my music collection to yeah. everybody so. so you were spinning on vinyl then at this point yeah there, there was there was no such well there were cds but i mean we we're a couple of years away from like yeah, cd yeah. players they were so shitty those danons oh. <laughs> it's it's such a funny time when when like i talked to djs that really were part of that transition from analog to digital yeah and it must have been exciting for you because you have a, a true passion for technology I what do. was it like when sort of that started to migrate and people started to move away from the vinyl and towards the digital you got to be a part of the actual digital process right i was and at first i kind of i i, I hated it and i liked it yeah and and i will never forget the infighting between DJs and those the, the guys who like started on oh, vinyl shit. ten years prior, yeah. and when things were slowly transitioning, and how much shit was going around, <laughs> people were just just destroying each other. When the like message board started coming about, mm-hmm. we're talking about like two thousand three, two thousand four, yep. Um, and you had this uh, crazy. Uh, crazy infighting between DJs, like, oh, you suck, you're playing off, off CDs, how, yeah. how dare you? Right. This is this is never gonna last. This is this is bullshit DJing. <laughs> we have the you gotta stay on wax. Wax is the way. Wax is the uh, way. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, here we are today. USB yeah. sticks, and uh, and I have to say, I I still love 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 playing vinyl. I mean, I will for I will. I will forever love vinyl. I still have, you have a vinyl, vinyl tables. Um, so, funny enough, not as good of a collection as I used to because most of my vinyl got destroyed in a flood at oh, my folks' house. Fuck. In around, what was it, like 2005 or 2006, we had a sump pump fail. Damn it. And crates and crates and crates of actually some rare, like German and just amazing vinyl got That's rest in peace. It is what it is. It wasn't that moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It. It, it made me. It made me sad forever. <laughs> I'm still gonna shed a tear. Uh, but uh, I thought yeah. I was gonna unlock some memories. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I. It's. I do miss the the tangible feeling of music. Even even the MP3s were more tangible back in the day because yeah. the because when something came out, almost everybody heard it because yeah. there was no. Not everybody was making music, mm-hmm. so we were part of these like scene FTP sites where you would uh, shout out. That's actually how I met Mister Mister Infinity. We we met uh, 
by ripping some vinyl to, to MP3 back in, I don't know, 2002, 2003. How did you even do that? Uh, we, so Record you, you would, it? Yeah, you, well, you would, you would play it. Uh, there was a aux out into the computer, <laughs> oh, and you would, you would play the record out. Yeah. You would record it into an MP3 file, cut it up, clean it up, and then <laughs> you know normalize it. Yeah. And then uh, tag it. And then put a little tag to it as the group that you're affiliated with, right. and as the return for that. By the way, this is this is some shit you don't 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 hear on any <laughs> other podcast. As it is as a kind of uh, to give back, you would get access to other people doing the same thing. Yeah, groups ripping vinyls, dance vinyls right. to MP3s, so you can actually share them. And, uh, wow. and of course, at that point, start potentially putting them on CDs to be played on CD players. Damn. Um, so that's how we met uh, with Garrett, and uh, <laughs> and the music was just so tangible. Like I have to say, unfortunately nowadays it's uh, it's it's very kind of like fodder like. It's just you know like comes and goes. Mm-hmm. You don't have that sentimental attachment to it before you're like the coolest fucking kid with that you new MP3 that. that you had a promo from somebody that you could yeah. never have from anybody else. Right. I guess it still exists. You know if you're. Chris Lake, and you're sending some tracks to your buddies. Yeah, um, I'm literally uh, Chris Lake. Yeah, right? That's really interesting. And I I genuinely love vinyl now. Like, the vinyl I have over there is, like, I have my dad's original Michael Jackson thriller. Yeah, I have my mom's yeah. Bruce Springsteen. And I had a great conversation with yeah. Ghetto Blaster, who I'm sure you've heard of before. Absolutely. They were talking about, Paul was talking about when he worked at Gramophone and a few other places, something Legendary would come store. in. Yeah, something would come in and they'd get like 20 copies of it. And he would hear it and be like, oh my God, this is incredible. He'd buy all fucking 20 copies. Mm-hmm. And that documentary we were talking about, they'd black out the names because DJ, other DJs would like slyly try and be like, what tr- what track is this? You know what I mean? Oh. And be like, no. And that, yep. that is what is so cool about DJing to me. It's 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 changed so much, right? But like, What's so special about it is, like, the foundation of it all, right? Knowing that, like, I have this opportunity to share this song with people, and that's up to me how I do that. Do I play it first? Do I play it last? Do I do it in the middle? Do I play the song three times? You're the curator. You're the curator. So I try and think like a vinyl DJ. I, I don't spin vinyl. I would love to, but it is a fucking, it's a thing to try and take on, carrying it around and actually buying it, but... I think what you said is, is really powerful. It's tangible. I can feel that vinyl go down. I put the needle on there. Yeah. I feel it go through the speakers and out to the people. Pushing play on a CDJ is like pushing play on Spotify. Definitely. You know it, what I mean? it really is. Uh, even even at, at some point, I would say there wasn't such a crazy influx of music coming in. Yeah. So even burning those promo MP3s that you got a hold of that yeah. nobody had right. was even more also kind of felt tangible because yep. not many people possessed them. Not many people had that file. It's cool. Now, now yeah, it, it, it was super cool. At least it felt cool at that time. You're like, oh, shit, you know, I got this fucking amazing track. I'm about yeah. to load up or... Or get a vinyl that that white label. I will never forget. I we were all fighting for this for this <laughs> white label of DJ Isaac remix of. I mean, some people in Chicago. DJ Isaac, I've heard that in a while. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, amazing hardstyle producer from, yes. from from the from the Netherlands. Uh, 
Oh man, those are the days of DJ Caffeine. Uh, so many people in Chicago, <laughs> the, the old schoolers will know. So we, yes. we were fighting for this, uh, for this. Uh, he, he did a remix of uh, uh, "Loving You." Yes, it was a, "Loving You" is I I... easy because yeah. and it was a white label, obviously, because they couldn't release it officially because right. it was a sample. Right. So it was like hard to come come by and whoever had the vinyl was just playing it out everywhere in the parties yeah you're powerful (laughs) you you, you had the you had the gold yes (laughs) that's incredible okay so you're you're let's take it from where you were at here right like you're taking vinyl and and burning it to mp3 so you're djing you're getting more into the scene when did like the actual brand bond arm become real like what were you djing as at that point oh i was i was actually called it's funny i was called dj rolex dj uh, rolex yeah dj rolex with two l's <laughs> a, little, a little reference to oh. the to the to the one to the powerful mdma um, <laughs> um yeah it actually got inspired by um we had this little uh first of all i mean this scene has always been kind of in around psychedelic substances and things like that. Absolutely. And we had, uh, no denying dur- during that time there was, uh, and be still around one of my, I would say greatest inspirations is, uh, Joe Nardi Bornardi. Uh, he was making these amazing after hours CDs that yeah. were like called after hours, the first dose after hours, the second dose. Damn. So I was known as DJ Rolex with two L's. I actually got sued by the Rolex, the, the watch company. Are you I kidding? Had, true story. Holy I, shit. I had a, I had a domain name, djrolex.com, <laughs> and the lawyers for, for Rolex reached out to me and said, hey, you're infringing on our clients. It was phonetically identical copyright, so you have to sell your domain to us, so we're going to we're gonna actually, <laughs> we're gonna sue the fuck and out of DJ you. DJ Rolex died. Yeah, well, uh, I was still DJ Rolex for a while until, of course, I graduated to, you know, I, I became a little older and that whole uh, association with uh, with teen scene yeah, and, uh, yeah, and yeah. The, the crazy partying kind of, you know, shifted to, I, I became uh, just my real name. Uh, well, there's actually another uh, little <laughs> section before all of that. So, DJ Rolex was there for a long time. DJ until... Butt Plug came along. <laughs> <laughs> no butt plugs. <laughs> I'm just trying to eliminate all options for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was uh, playing house. I was playing hard style. It was depending on the venue. I always played to the people, not to, uh, not so much to to myself. So yeah. if you played the downtown clubs at that time, you had to play house music because yeah. the hard style wouldn't fly. It you know, downtown at like much. sound bar. Sound yeah. bar was already around. This is, we're talking about 2004. Fuck yeah. Um, what, what else was out there? It was buzz. It was red. No five. Um, but you had to play house music. And of course, yeah. if you play the teen clubs, you, you have to play the hard style. So it was like, <laughs> I always switching, switching gears comes about 2006. And I was always a trans fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what really captivated me about trance is the instrumentals and yeah. of course the amazing vocals, of course. the beautiful lyrics, the really deep piano, the the, the seventh and the nine chords, and mm-hmm. the beautiful vocals, and the really the um, 
the real the emotion that came with with trans music. So I was always a huge you know fan of Paul Van Dyke, of Paul Oakenfold, of Armin Van Buren. Yeah. Um, and the scene in Chicago was huge, especially like yeah. all the Polish people love trans music. So it they, still is pretty vibrant. Yeah. Here. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, trans is. I mean, trans is probably one of the biggest genres in in, in the world when it comes to, when it comes to you know dance, and. Uh, there were a lot of really good trans events, so my, um, so my, uh, <laughs> cheers, <laughs> boom, my man, uh, yeah, um, I was like, hey, if I'm gonna be producing music now, because I was just getting into production, right? Uh, this is like 2005. Um, let's make trans music. Yep. So. I got a group of people together, but one of my best friends, uh, Mr. Afton Mihov, uh, he was an amazing keyboard, I mean, it was, he's an amazing keyboard player, and uh, we got together with him and another friend, uh, Eugene, and we started this uh, collective called Physical Law, and uh, we partnered up with Tiff Lacey, she did the vocals on ATB's uh, yeah. Ecstasy. You really are my ecstasy. She heard our track called it didn't have a name for at first, but yeah. she called it Starlight. She wrote vocals for it, and we had a release, and they got support from uh, from definitely Fair Corson. It was played on Corson's Countdown, I think Fuck. number thirty six or something like Damn, that. Damn, bro! Like a long <laughs> fucking time ago. Uh, definitely got support from other big uh, uh, trans uh, producers, and we started playing gigs we we played at, at that time there was vision and uh you know a couple of couple of other venues so we, we just kept on the the track of producing trance music and right. that lasted up until about 2009 okay um making making trance we we had a couple of successful uh, uh tunes starlight being probably the most successful one that's amazing we, though yeah you got a big win pretty early on yeah, it was it, it was unreal. It felt like just uh, hearing some like a podcast from Fair Course and plays like, and now we listen to Physical Law from from Chicago <laughs> with this uh, beautiful track called Starlight. And I was like, is it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember how old I was, but that's insane. Like, holy shit! So that lit another you know big fire under my ass, and you know bought more studio equipment, really got into, back then there was, you know, not many materials, you just yeah. kind of bounced off other DJs, and you look up to others who, who were already successful, they would teach you something, read some books, like yeah. the Nixon Engineer's Handbook, right? by Bobby Yavsinski, <laughs> still one of the greatest books out there, uh, and uh, it's hard to keep a band together, so... A lot of infighting, a lot of taking who's who's responsible for this, who who's taking credit for that. Duos are tough. Yeah, we were a trio actually. A trio. Uh, we, a trio. Yeah. So it was. Uh, we always, me, me and uh, Aftem always got along really well, but we didn't really get along too much with with our third producer. So uh, we did our own thing. We branched off and started started our own studio that was called Physical Law Studios, and uh, I spent. Pretty much two and a half years, just kind of honing my, my skills and and uh, working out of a professional space. At that point, mm -hmm. I rented an actual um, studio space, and I, I lived there. Taking it very seriously. Yeah, I was I was like, this is it. I'm going to 
I'm really gonna go all in on music. This yeah. is uh, 2000, uh, 2009 or so. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, just living in living in a pretty much little office suite. <laughs> I, I mean, I had a house. I just, I was so busy yeah. with, with constantly trying to get better and better and figure out what, you know, what yeah. I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. right. Networking and collaborating with other people and doing remixes. And this is kind of, uh, I'm still, I'm loving house music at the same time. It's not like I'm, I'm only doing trance, but mm -hmm. trance is definitely my, I would say, bread and butter. It's where you're finding success at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I've always wanted to make music that just wasn't kind of pigeonholing me into one genre because yeah. my roots were everywhere, yeah. you know? So I kind of had to bring that to my, to my productions and still to this day, I'm, Bonder might be known as a tech house producer, but I kind of don't want it to be. I, I just want to do what the fuck I like, you know? I Yeah. That's that's the thing. Bonder was just actually born recently. Like, this is a two years ago project um, because there was physical law before that. This was There was Oleg Bonder. I produced a lot of uh, tracks under Oleg Bonder. Did a lot of ghost production for, for other artists. Um, but... Bondar is finally, I think, what's gonna, what's really gonna stick. This yeah, is... I mean, you've you've showcased that over the past few years, but there are some Bondar releases from a while ago that I found. Are they so they might be credited SoundCloud? to Bondar, but they might not be. Okay, well, what's the Booty Loves Some Kind of Rush? That's definitely a that's a yep. definitely a Bondar track. Definitely, and Adriano Celetano Susanna. Yes. 123,000 plays on SoundCloud? Those are, by the way, legit plays. So this... That's incredible. This is a song that I grew up listening to with my parents. Yeah. This is, it's an Italian... <laughs> it's an Italian kind of ballad. Yes. That I loved so much. So when when Tech House kind of started popping off, or, or this was during the time when, when uh, uh, it was uh, Yolanda Be Cool and Yeah, this was like eight years ago or yeah, something, right? Yeah, uh, more than that. This is, We're talking about... This is like... Uh, 2010. Okay, is, nine, so ten years ago. We speak no Americano was kind oh. of the, the bah, 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 yeah. Bah. You can even hear it in that track. It oh, got you definitely can, bro. It's and it's yeah. it's amazing. I loved it because I love that track. Yeah. And when I was like, I'm like, all right, let's see what he's got on his soundtrack. Because I always do this to everybody. I'm like, what has this guy got on his There's soundtrack? There's a lot of hidden tracks, by the way. There are. <laughs> like 397. And I come across this track and I'm like, what the fuck? It's incredible. And that's like, I originally got into sort of that kind of energy. So I, I loved it. Was that like, was that one of your first releases as Bondar then? Um, yes, it was. And it was like a self-release. Like just at that time, we were yeah. just uploading shit to SoundCloud. Dude, SoundCloud was huge. You could just blow up on SoundCloud. You can, you can. That, though, at that time, SoundCloud, you would, you would organically just get fucking thousands of plays if shit was good yep. you didn't have to promote it you didn't have to juice it you didn't have to do anything it was just organic it would be heard people would actively be using the platform yep. that's that, that, that was amazing about SoundCloud there was no Spotify back then yeah. there was nothing else you, it was really the outlet for like independent it artists was iTunes basically right yeah. and YouTube yeah and, and YouTube yeah YouTube was like was Still it, kind of... Wasn't music focused? Really. No, it was not. It was not. But a lot of tracks started, you know, being ported to YouTube at that time. So yep. they would find him. A lot of people actually made a lot of money taking shit from SoundCloud, yep. ripping it, 
including some cool, you know, graphic or taking a little video, you know, EQ that was just moving up and down, branded as their own, like, I don't know, casual or majestic, <laughs> and then just poured it over to YouTube. Yes. So. No old barred. Yeah. And so at that time, I was, uh, I didn't have many label releases. It was a, a lot of just uploading shit to, to SoundCloud. And you it were was, having fun with it. Yeah. And people were downloading and playing it in their sets. It's incredible because it's they're really cool because you have this sort of amazing fusion of electro and disco and then running through everything over the past couple years there's a little something something in some of these early tracks that you still really encapsulate today definitely it's incredible thank you yeah it's it's it's, uh it's like a big just just hodgepodge of shit really yeah 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 like combining all the styles, combining all the little methods that I've learned over the years, and of course, collaborating with other people. Yes. Um, I mean, in the last uh, couple of years, I've been doing mostly collabs. Yeah. Because as music, it's not my full-time gig, but it's my full-time love. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, well said. (laughs) I figured out that it's really awesome and helpful to just, to actually be more productive to partner up with other people who can take the ideas and then run with them without or it being vice a duo, versa. right? Yeah, just like uh, my my recent collaborations with Papa Marlin with oh, the beats, yeah. specifically, yeah, with Papa Marlin, we, we put out so many tracks because we met each other. Like, oh shit, let's fucking work together. So we started sending stuff back and forth, and it really popped off. He is super talented. And he's better at finishing tracks than I am. So, like, a lot of times I'll send him ideas. He'll just run with it. It is a full-time gig for him, so it's so it's so much easier. And yeah. our productivity just, like, spiked because, you know, it, music, at the end of the day, it's hard to pay bills with it. You know, it's Absolutely. a real, it's a music, music's kind of like gambling. Yeah. You know, you're, it's a, the edges are very thin. you got to be really good. Yep. And if you're a one-man operation... It's tough, just like with anything that you do. Definitely. You know, nowadays you're your own everything. You're your producer, mix and engineer, master engineer. You're your promoter. You're your social media influencer. It's, it's You wear a lot of hats. Yeah, so true, man. And, and I appreciate you just kind of being humble about that because I think it's a lot of things that artists think they can get rich getting into the music industry. And it's like, if you're in this for anything else other than the love of doing it, it's never going to last long. And that's the tough part about this shit. We want to make money. We need to live. We want to have a livelihood. 100%. But it's just kind of the fact of the matter. Yeah. And uh, I will never forget. I, I, uh, I read this uh, book. I, I forget the name of the, of the guy who wrote it. I know he was a teacher at Columbia and a very successful engineer and producer for, I think he did mixing for uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and... Uh, but it's funny. He wrote a book, and the first uh, and the first uh, sentence in that book is "Welcome to the music business. You're fucked." Yeah. <laughs> so fucked. I kind of took it, you know, I, t- I kind of took it to heart. That's so. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, that guy needs to start a podcast. Yeah. I forgot what, what his name is. He's a he's a legend. Uh, I know he was a he was an audio production teacher for a long time. But that's just the, the truth of the matter. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's really hard to uh, with. Uh, Payola in the past, and uh, there's a lot of artists who just don't get the 
the light of day because the competition is really fierce and you really have to connect with the people at the end of the day. You might love your music, your family might love your music, yeah. but the fans might not. And the landscape has changed right. so much too with social media and stuff. And we're kind of in, in my opinion, an adapt or die phase for people in electronic music specifically, right? Like you can't just blow up on SoundCloud and get a tour on that anymore. You gotta have content. You gotta have a YouTube. You gotta have basically layers of your brand and there are a lot of people I've talked to that are very successful on social media and make great music, and the reason that both go so well is because they've had to put more effort into the social media, right? Yeah. And it's frustrating for people that are truly musical geniuses. You know what I mean? Like, a friend of mine is, without a doubt, the best piano player I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. This guy could play blindfolded, he could play Beethoven Symphony. He's a successful lawyer in Indianapolis, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, if, if people just heard this guy, you know what I mean? And I say it to him every time. And he's like, I just I just don't have it in me to do all that. Right. And I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know... It's, How's it's, that been for you kind of over the past, um, I guess, decade, seeing what you have to do, right? Well, let's start with the with the whole social media concept. I yeah. mean, uh, I have to say, for me personally, it sucks the life out of music. It does. Uh, it really does. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, and people will say, hey, you're a dinosaur. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, you can't, you, you can't, that? you can't adapt and that's fine. I will, that's, that doesn't bother me one bit. I have to say, being your own cheerleader on social media and constantly having to create potentially content that you don't give a fuck about yeah. is one of the most deflating fucking things for me. And Facts. I'll just, you know, I'll just say, it. I'll just say it how it is. You know, these I I don't envy anybody who's got clout on social media who are producing these you know funny reels and I get it and I've done it. It's actually fun. I had I had this little fucking reel with the <laughs> little iron and you know blowing the steam. I saw that. That was it. funny. Yeah, but you it, enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed making. It. I didn't do it to to get views or likes. Right. I thought, hey, this is something fucking funny because you know the whole thinking of actually a fucking Johnny. Johnny at Spy Bar fucking blasting people with a little... <laughs> yes. So that, that's what kind of inspired me. And uh, yeah, like I had fun doing it. And maybe those kids have fun doing it. But hey, at, this, at the end of the day, you got to focus, I guess, on, on one thing. And it's really hard when you're segmenting all of these things. And it's just, uh, it takes, a, you know, a lot out of you. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have to do it just because you have to do it. Mm -hmm. That's why I respect people like Christian Beat Hurt a lot who is in probably the most incredible studio producer of all time. I mean, this guy, first of all, probably my number one inspiration. And uh, he he doesn't give a shit about DJing. He doesn't give a shit about touring. He doesn't, shit about, he doesn't give a shit about creating content. The content that he creates is the music itself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why it's... product. Yes, and that's why it's so amazing. There's yeah. nobody who could rival his skill level mm -hmm. uh, and that's why he's got 8,000 published tracks at something like the last 10 years Jesus. Uh, so it's uh, yeah I mean you gotta pick your battles and uh, at the end of the day I think uh, social media is uh, yeah it's kind of sucking the, the life out of music for me so I, I I still fuck with it I still do it I'm still on social it's media a necessary evil yeah right? yeah but I, I, I don't uh, I don't like it I think that uh, if more artists would actually focus on the creation of the music itself versus having to spin their wheels and 
create content for their fans. Content meaning not music, mm-hmm. but <laughs> them jumping around and doing some silly fucking memes. <laughs> I think would be in a better spot. I like that. Appreciate you giving a different side of the coin there too, because you know a lot of people maybe say what they're supposed to say or do what they think they're supposed to do, right? Or do what people who don't produce music say to do. Right. Right? I, I totally agree with you, and I kind of thought about my brand in, in th- that way. I was like, what do I actually like doing? And what would I really not care about if people didn't watch it? Did I enjoy doing that? Like these sub-pack reviews, you know what yeah. I mean? I love doing those. Sub-pack. That is genuinely fun. We could probably do a whole episode on sub-pack. But like that type of stuff is so fun for me. When I put together these live sets, I think about it like especially over the past year. You know what I mean? Like I'm not doing that shit for anybody else but me. Yeah. And the and second the I started thinking about that, exactly. Like so, whatever you enjoy doing, people ask me all the time. Like upcoming artists, what should I do? How do I grow? And I'm like, what are you good at? And what do you like doing? Do that. Just exactly. Do that until you feel like it's good enough to put it out there. Yeah. Whatever it's, it is. If you if you really love food and you want to build a brand off that, well, what kind of food do you like? Start fucking showing us the restaurants that you go to. We don't have to reinvent the fucking wheel here, people. Exactly. You know what I mean? And you and you kind of unlocked a, a side of my brain there, too. Yeah, you got to do what you love. It's like it, it kind of in parallel. It's what, it's what Jim Carrey said. Yeah. It's like, you know, I wish everybody would get rich and famous so they could see that this is not the answer yes and because people are doing things that they think will bring them happiness yeah while they're cheating themselves out of the actual happiness by doing things they don't even give a shit about doing yep life can be short if you live it like that and life can be long if you live it with enjoyment and what you do every day yeah absolutely and (laughs) I think the, the social media is sucking out a lot of the life out of, <laughs> out of people. But hey, if you're really enjoying it, I mean, I love you. <laughs> okay, I found another track that I want to ask you. All right, because let's go. I have interviewed a lot of uh, producers that were not formerly dubstep producers, but love heavy, trap, metal, whatever it is. Uh-huh. You released a track in 2016 called Members Only. I don't think that's actually my track. So that's... that's Are you sure? I'm positive. So okay. that's another... That's somebody with a different alias. It's uh, on It's it's on your shit. I know. So sadly, um, it's... it's <laughs> I was with, so fucking confused. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I came across it. It's uh, It's got terrible cover art, by the way. It does. <laughs> Whoever made it, please don't ever do graphics again. And I was laughing because I was like... I was like this is like uh, an interesting trap song. Like the first yeah. drop, I was like, okay. Yeah. And then it kept going. I was like, this needs to stop. And yeah. I was so like, I really don't think this is him. It's but not I him. also thought like, cause I, I brought that up because I've interviewed so many techno and house producers and the, one of the guys from Solardo. Oh shit. Mark. Yeah. He used Mark. to be a dubstep producer. I know. And you know how Solardo makes their fucking music, bro. Yeah. It is incredible. It is like yeah. basically a dubstep bass just turned into a bass line. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's a natural progression being from the UK making dubstep or garage and then going into tech house. Exactly, dude. Strong, yeah, definitely. Shout out. Shout out to Solardo. Dude, and Solardo. I fucking, our releases with Papa Marlin. But yeah, keep going. We're going to talk about that. I'm glad we got to bring that up, though. I wanted to clear the air. Word. So basically, we have this sort of 
time period between the some kind of rush and you know your other remixes. Some kind of rush. This is this is ten years ago, and then twenty nineteen we come back. You're here with the Papa Marlin collaboration. That's better on Shanghai. Seriously, dope EP. But what was going on before then? You were obviously already experienced as a producer. Were you refining your sound, or what was it like for you during that time? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was actually uh, doing uh, doing some ghost production. Okay. And I was also. Um, I mean, I was doing my my day job. I was building building data centers. Yeah, that's <laughs> Fuck uh, yeah. That's what I was doing because uh, you know it's uh, like I said uh, it's it's a it's a music at the end of the day, and I don't want to discourage anybody, but music is you know is a tough living. It's. Uh, it's a tough limit. It's, it's a grind, uh, yeah. especially that nowadays you you make most most of your money specifically in in, in club music. You make most of your money with gigs. Yep. Uh, so if you are not gigging and gigging is tough, that's what a lot of people very cumbersome. I just want to 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 get it out there because a lot of you know young people coming up. They don't understand how demanding gigging is. They think it's all, you know, you're flying in fucking private jets and, you know, you are, uh, you know, being fed champagne and you're partying with models all day long. That's just not the life of, 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 of a touring artist. I mean, it nope. is a lot of work. You are in different time zones. You're flying all the time. You're in airplanes. It is tough. Now, yeah. So um, I was uh, I was uh, building uh, data centers for uh, for biotech companies out in San Diego, uh, doing my consulting. Yeah. So and, this is um, when when did, what year did you moved to San Diego? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. So almost five years ago to the day, guys. Yeah. That's uh. That's it's, it. All comes full fucking circle, which is amazing. I mean, I miss the city so much. Just driving into the. This massive downtown today yeah. was like, damn! I I, I, used, I used to live here. It's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's surreal and it's uh, definitely like maybe really emotional. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, been living in San Diego since twenty sixteen. It's an incredible place. I mean, there's so many talented people now. In well, always been in San Diego, but now I feel like San Diego is really like coming online. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the um, house and house and techno scene there is really cool it, it really is it's like a mix of this crazy desert people and the surfers and yeah the, you get like the, the house LA heads vibe, but it like truly is unique crazy i want to give a lot shout of hispanic out. influences too like yes. mexican culture and oh shit. oh my god exactly the you're best 30 minutes tacos away. and sushi <laughs> you're, you're 30 minutes away from some of the greatest parts of mexico i mean mexico is amazing period but yeah. you have tijuana the scene there is insane uh, you have Holy a shit, you party in Tijuana? Oh, for sure. All, all the time. I, I, one, some of my first gigs were actually not in San Diego, but they were in TJ. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, uh, Abe, with his uh, legendary club, Deck 22. Uh, Damn. And, and now Rumors. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy scene. Actually, Garrett played out there a few times, uh, Infinity. We, uh, we came shit. out to TJ, we played out there, we played in uh, Mexicali, which is a border, yep. a border town. Uh, yeah, the scene the scene there is, is strong. I mean, the, yeah, the Mexicans got amazing house producers. You got climbers from from, uh, from Mexicali. You got uh, all these collectives, Alex Wax, uh, Reba Rebecca. Um, uh, so it's uh, Rivka Am. I mean, there's, yeah... This and the scene in San Diego is is now just coming online. There's yeah. so many amazing artists. Mitch Dodge, 
DJ Susio. Yeah, Mitch yeah. Dodge, Susio. Fucking the whole Stay Bad crew, the guys from out from Boston, the Nick Grind. Yeah, the Hood Politics, Susan, you got Nutty. I mean, the list goes on. Green Tea. Yeah. The man who just threw the one of the most epic, epic warehouse parties. A Costco sized warehouse. We're just <laughs> yeah, but you got the Desert Hearts boys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the the amazing female talent. It's 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 crazy. I mean A lot the, of people live there too. I think people underestimate the size of San too. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a it's like a giant small city. It's it got is. A, almost half the population of Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 amazing. That's why I love it so much. It's like it's like it's very you got palm trees. It's peaceful, mm-hmm. and yet you got the, the the big city aspect of so it. So from like a mental perspective, just coming from Ukraine to Chicago, that's uh, pretty fucking fast pace, high intensity. You go out to San Diego, start producing new type of music did you kind of get into a zone there like who were you working with what changed for you mentally before you started releasing music like that's better yeah um so first moving to san diego i started this project in chicago called like arcade room and this was like all new disco and like really just feel good music Yeah, yeah so it's funny because a lot of people were they later met me and they were like Holy shit! I was a follower of, of Arcade Room for, for so many years. That's you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I was making I was making a lot of new disco. I was making a lot of uh, um, a lot of just like chill kind of uh, you know 110 BPM satin jacket style. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, you could hear it in some kind of rush. But then I started Arcade Room to branch off there. Yeah. Um, I had a release on the label that. Uh, now I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was uh, run by actually my good friend uh, Ty Serna, Sly Turner, and Shusky. Uh, well, Shusky wasn't part of that label, but uh, my boys who are now making incredible fucking music along mm-hmm. with uh, Matt Agbert. Uh, oh fucking, yeah, fucking, Matt Agbert, yeah, bro. Fucking legends, man. The front, uh, front left productions. There's so much talent, but I, I really I released a uh, tech house track on um, on uh, Sly's label. What the fuck was it called? Um, anyways, not important, but I was making tech house. Yeah. I, was, I was making everything. I was doing techno tech house. Yeah. Releasing tracks under different aliases. I had legend mode project that started in Chicago that I brought with me. Um, not much really changed in San Diego. I was still making like all sorts of music under different aliases, ghost production, new disco, techno, tech house, house. <laughs> plus doing my, my real job. Right, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Right? So you're still fast paced then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm you always brought that energy. Yeah, always. I mean, I've heard my people that come on. from Chicago or even like New York, and I mean anywhere outside of the West Coast, go there, and they sometimes get a little frustrated with the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Was that a big change for you? No, I I think it, I needed that in my at that point of my life. Yeah, I was, uh, I was at the, at that stage of my life where I kind of wanted a little bit more peace and. I wanted palm trees, I wanted the beach, and I wanted to kind of like settle down and not go to the after hours every weekend and, uh, you know, not sleep for three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the ups and downs. Uh, yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, San Diego was uh, like a perfect transition for me. And actually, a couple of friends already moved out there. Shout out to Tanya. She was like the, the first person to kind of tell me about San Diego. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm moving out there. So I was like, oh, shit. Well, let's go. Hell and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I made the move. Uh, one of my best friends actually 
was who I met in Chicago that we did a lot of music production work with Jay Morales. Um, he's moving out to San Diego and he used to live there. So it was like a, I mean, there's so many things that are just kind of weird and come full circle where yeah, you, like, yeah, you yeah. have people like moving back and forth between Chicago and San Diego and they're telling you about how good San Diego is and and then we all meet there and then, yeah, I'm excited for the fucking future. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. Yeah, you gotta enjoy it. You gotta, if you're not enjoying it and learning, then what the fuck are you doing? Hell yeah. I mean, you were clearly working in the studio and got a new focus because 2020, you went on a fucking rampage. I mean, 18 original tracks, I think. I can't yeah, I think probably more than that. I honestly lost count. I it's Things are just always, always just happening that you really don't pay attention to. Um, you know, to, to what, what's what's going on. You were just like, bang, 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 bang. It was, I mean, and all such high quality levels of music, man. Yeah. I think a lot of it has, a lot of credit also has to go to my co-producers. I was about um, to ask your relationship, like you mentioned Papa Marlin. Where is he from? How did you guys originally meet? Papa Marlin is from, from my, my country of, of Ukraine. Okay. He's from Zhitomir, which is a city not too far from where I grew up. Uh, we met online. I actually heard him on Green Velvet's Relief podcast. Nice. And I reached out to him, and I was like, "What's up, fellow Ukrainian?" <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we started talking, and he heard my music. He heard the the tech house tracks that I was uh, actively working on, and he was like, "Oh, I dig your shit. Let's let's work together." You know, yeah. you're in U.S. I'm in uh, I'm in Ukraine. Let's uh, let's help each other, and uh, let's. Uh, boost our productivity so yeah. i was like fuck yeah so i sent him stamps to a couple of tracks do you uh, speak in english or how do you oh he, he actually speaks really pretty pretty good english yeah well nice. but we speak we talk in russian yeah we talk in russian yeah I, I grew up i speak ukrainian too but i grew up yeah. speaking russian and uh yeah we, we talk in russian and uh yeah we just went on a fucking roll That's so awesome. a lot of the credit goes out to him because um, I, I couldn't do it without, without him. I, I just well, don't I mean, have the special, time. Man. Yeah. But you, you started a lot of these ideas then, right? Is that yeah. kind of your guys' relationship? Goes back and forth. I mean, he started Depends. a lot, like the tracks we had on and so like, it was all pretty much all of his ideas that I helped him with mm-hmm. and vice versa, you know, like some stuff on Shanghai, some stuff that we had on tool room. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely like a team team effort. I love uh, that. I have, I have, stuff back I and have forth. a friend of mine. I have a similar relationship with his name is Flaninio and, uh, we release a lot of collaborations and it's sometimes it's hard to work with other people in the studio, right? But you find those people yeah. where you don't want to like do a project, like you don't want to become a duo, but you love working with each other and you kind of bring out another side. And exactly. I mean, dude, 2020 you guys released on Sola, Delicious, Realm, House of Hustle, Twice, Criminal Hype, Strange Love, Atmosphere, Hood Politics, I Am... Or is it I am I A M T? How do I say that? Uh, I the I M T group and that that runs Rim. So that's Rim, the label right. Rim. That's run by actually Spartak, another Ukrainian living in Barcelona who does techno. Um, yeah, that he, he, like he is a, cool a fucking guy. legend. That, that guy is a, is a workhorse entrepreneur. I I followed them like back in 2012, living here in Chicago. Fuck and, yeah! And uh, he is uh, he run, runs Rim and runs a lot of different uh, labels. Uh, there's so uh, there's sick. also uh, what's his uh, techno label? It's so hard to keep up with all the fucking labels. <laughs> so many labels yeah, these days. Yeah, but uh, Codex, Codex. Yes. He runs Codex. Heard of that? Yeah. Yes. So that's IMT is the is the international I think music team that is his like conglomerate yeah. of companies. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, and not to mention South of Saturn. South of Saturn. That's right. Lee Foss's imprint. Dude. Chicago guy as well. Hell fucking yeah. Mm -hmm. Running through all these tracks, right? Like, we've got so much variety. So much success, too. Like, I mean, these are well-known labels. For those that don't know, Sola (laughs) is Solardo's label. Realm is Gorgon City's label. Like you just said, Hood Politics. Hood Poly. DJ Susan, South of Saturn. Lee Foss. Etiquette is Hannah Wants, right? Etiquette is actually a sub-label of Tool Room. Is it? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. Strange Love and Etiquette are both Tool Room sub-labels. Right, because those tracks went on Tool Room House Parties. Exactly. Yes. That makes sense. I was just about to ask you sort of the dynamics. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, the legend, my one of the biggest inspirations, Mark fucking Knight. How cool. Like, I mean, I want to I want to talk about some of these, but like. When you roll, when you when I roll for that list, how good does that feel? Like, which ones stick out to you the most? As ones you're either most proud of, or like, wow, that was a bucket list label release. All of them. <laughs> I would say, you know, all the subways. I think on on Realm was was one of my favorite ones. Dude, and it's uh, so sick, moving fast, mo- moving fast, definitely is is yeah. I love that it made to like all the workout playlists. Yes, so, like, so, like, it's <laughs> it has one hundred ninety five thousand plays. Yeah, so like all the workout playlists, people like and moving their asses to that to that shit. Uh, I have to talk about actually one of my favorite personal releases, uh, and the story is kind of fascinating. Yeah. With, with Dan, uh, the Beats. Shout out to my man. First of all, one of the nicest, nicest people in the industry. Um, from State Bad Collective. Um, yep. He's. Uh, this guy's just going places. I mean, he's is what I really love is that he's making the re, like real house music. Do beats on your Glasgow Underground? Yes, release? I release yeah, through yeah. changes. Through through changes. Um, the, you can get that. Yeah, perfect. Um, <laughs> I think that's actually, that's actually we can take it. it. Yeah. Hello, mom. We're okay. We're we're, we're still going. It's it's amazing. almost done. Yeah, we're 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 almost done. We're we're almost done. I promise. It, <laughs> this is this is an incredible setup. Matt's got got this thing going on. So we're almost done talking. Hello, uh, I'm a nice guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he, you are an amazing guy, man. Uh, what do you think, time wise? Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. Did you hear me? Fifteen minutes. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. I'm, I'm sorry that it took longer. Well, listen, this is important. Okay. 15 minutes. We're good. Okay. I'll, I'll be out. Okay. Please. <laughs> All right. So, sounds good. Thank you, Mom. Wow. Probably going to keep this in. <laughs> Probably going to keep this part of the interview we're, we're, in. We're, we're, we're gonna, mom calling. Hello, Mom. Hello. Hey, guy. I don't mind. I love my mom. So Hilarious. let's um, continue about uh, doobies. Yeah, 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 just finish part of that. Okay, I right, we, will be. I don't have to start from the. All right, yeah. So through changes with the beats. Um, this is a track that I did about a year ago by myself at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, I was actually experimenting with uh, with just some kind of new disco house beats, and the inspiration was a Mark Farina track that I was upset. Well, it's, Let's it's a go. Mark Farina played it in a concert that I went to in Chicago in, it was either 2003 or 2004. 
he played this track by an Italian producer called Crico Castelli called Through Changes. Okay. And the vocals were, sometimes we all go through changes. Life is like a game of cards. If you want to win, you got to know to play the game. Because yes. sometimes we all go through changes. So I got on, the, on my iPhone and I recorded these vocals. And put it over the track and played it to like, I actually had a little like a party in my house when I was working on, or just a couple of, uh, couple, couple of people chilling, drinking some beers and yeah. we were, I was recording it and they're like, yeah, this is a fucking dope track. Yep. Then it gets saved and forgotten. Dan comes by and we, and I give him a couple of like tracks to pick, pick through so he can finish, finish them right. or, have some ideas because you know that's how collabs work and he goes oh my god i love this track and i'm like okay cool uh he goes hey i'm gonna i need the stems for that so he gets the stems from me i'm like cool all right so he goes oh I'll, I'll, i got some really good ideas for this track so i said fine next thing you know he tells me i'm done with it listen to it so he sends it to me i'm like okay i like it i like it i like it he goes I'm going to get it signed to Glasgow Underground. I say, all right. No whatever, problem. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I'm busy. I'm, I'm working. There's a lot right. of shit, a lot of projects at that point going on. And uh, not really musical projects, work projects. Yeah. Um, and uh, next thing you know, he goes, oh, it's picked up by Glasgow Underground. I'm like, okay, cool. It's, I'm not really expecting too much. And then the next thing you know, this track goes to number one on track source. Dude. So. And it's like nothing you had released before, too. Like, well, it is your style, your passion. Yeah. yeah. But none of these tracks that I just mentioned are like really in the in the world, right? And it's true house. Yeah, it is it is really that that true house vibe. It's got that, you know, that kind of discourse sample, fat house beat, mm -hmm. you know, just a little talking about, I, I did the vocals for it. So I yeah. always wanted to have my vocals on the track. Um, I, it's funny. I did like this, the underground release of, uh, it's called, uh, it, it was called uh, spy next door. It was a track that I recorded after, after going to spy bar at my apartment above spy bar. When I used to live <laughs> there, shout out to spy. Yes. The club that gave me life. Love you spy bar. Yes. We miss you. We love you. Spy bar. Please come back soon. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was about my, you know, experience with spy bar, but it never really got anywhere. I know Dino like, you know, reposted it or something like that. Uh, but, uh, finally through changes was the first track where I did vocals. I also did vocals on one thing by the way too. Oh really? Yeah. One thing is, is, is me, is me talking. I just came to say one thing. No shit. Yep. You do do really good impressions. <laughs> Thank <way>. you. <laughs> you're a good singer. You've demonstrated that a few yeah, times. I'm, I'm not much of a singer, but it definitely, I love I love to do little voices. I always took little like imitations, like you know. You know, you may not like social media, but you are an entertainer. Well, shit. <laughs> Likewise, look at you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to talk about this track real quick. Cool. We did a whole beat breakdown on it. Void with Burko. I just want to do honorable mention to the man Burko. Yes, we just had an amazing weekend at uh, Why Not Festival. Dude. That was epic. Burko, look out for those guys. You the man. Also, Burko's going to find out right now if he makes it to this part of the interview that we're finally all going to hang out in person in San Diego. That's Black right. Park in the park, July 3rd. Ooh, 
Chris I'm Lake, baby, black book. I'm, dude, I hope Chris Lorenzo's in the fucking lineup. Yeah, that's what I actually put today when I was buying the tickets. I had to put in who you want to see. I'm like, Chris Lorenzo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be there. He's a I want to hear the pizza track. I just want some pizza. <laughs> I'm really drunk. So yeah, Burka. You're fucking hilarious. Okay, so this track, again, like if we go through sort of like your 2020 releases, kind of has a template, right? A lot of different yeah. influences and, and styles. But we have through changes and then we have banging, which also was like high speed the tech beat, house, the bro. Banging. Rodrigo says. We Dude, did that together with like, my man. Your releases Brazil. this year have been different. Void with Burko, we know how special this track is. Cutting edge stuff. What was it like getting in the studio with him? And he's a really unique producer. Yeah, he is really unique. That's what I love about him. He is, uh, you know, he's young, he's hungry, he's just fucking, he's ready to go, you know? I almost miss that about myself, like, back in the day, because I was just so fired up, and he's just so fired up. Yeah. He's unique, he's hungry, and that's what makes him so special. When I first heard him uh, pre-pandemic, we just, we we met right before the pandemic fucking Mm. hit, and I heard his stuff, and I was like, dude, are you, like, a protege of Boris Braca. Yeah. And I was like, this is, you're, you're amazing. We got to get in the studio and, and, yeah. and do work. Yep. And we became really good friends. And Such a uh, nice guy. Yeah, he's such a nice guy, man. And an inspiration, you know, like I'm, I'm ready to teach him what I know and I'm ready to learn from him as well. And yeah. he's just a great friend, you know. Um, so getting in the studio with him was awesome. We did it like we talked about on our previous little uh, podcast that yeah. Uh, during Christmas. Yeah. Um, it was it was a beautiful you know a beautiful experience. We just sat down, started with the arpeggiator, and then in two days we had a final track pretty much done. That's God. he works fast, I work fast. Ableton made it all possible. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> thank you to Ableton. Yeah, and he just you know he just put his special touch on it, and that that's that's what you get with collaborations when you work with other people. They know what to do. They take your idea and they just, you know, they they hopefully improve it. And yeah. that's what happens with, with a lot of the tracks. That's why I've been so focused on collabs and not doing so much of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though I am working on a project that is more for like blog, kind of jazzy, hip-hop-ish, trip-hop stuff. But that's for another, you know, day. But that's why I love working with, with people like Burko, with Rodrigo, yeah. with uh, Papa Marlin, with Dan the Beats. Yeah. It's uh it's always you're getting this unique flavor, unique taste, unique style of um of of music. That so you encourage collaboration. I was my, my next question is gonna be when you kind of feel like someone who I know there are a lot of producers out there that also have day jobs too, or yeah. like other other passions or hobbies or you know just like things you have to do in life, life. Right. What do you do to stay inspired? Do you like the collaboration from that? It was, so I think, uh, first of all, sample packs. I think sample packs are a huge okay. inspiration. For me, they have been for, for a long time. I'm a huge sample pack guy. I love to get new sample packs. I mm. buy a lot of sample packs every month. <laughs> so I can get some sort of, a, and, and I think that's an inspiration for a lot of producers. Loop Cloud is a huge thing. Splice. Yeah, uh, Now you have these services. But when I started, there was no Splice. There was no Loop Cloud. It was Vengeance. Shout out to Manuel. Yes. Flights. I brought these guys to Chicago in 2000. What was it? 2005. They were, they were just getting famous with Cascada. And, yeah. uh, we, and that's, and they brought me the, the vengeance sample pack CDs <laughs> and you can imagine like you get a lot of inspirations from that. I mean, yeah. Steve Angelo made a whole fucking track Nas 
from a vengeance future house sample. That's Are you kidding? Hundred percent. It's just literally a, a, just one sample with a with a fed bead behind it Dude. and and some white noise and that that, that was not why is that track so good <laughs> <laughs> yep and that's, that's a vengeance sample <laughs> yeah that's a vengeance sample so there you go so that's number one number two is i always love i still to this day i've been producing music for close to 15 years yeah i still love to attend master classes mm-hmm. continued education that's huge Getting inspiration from other artists, Zen World. I watch a lot of his videos. I yeah. watch a lot of the videos from Hyperbits. I watch a lot of the videos from Sonic Academy because you never know what what other people are doing. Yeah. So it's amazing to learn from other from other people, and you get inspiration from that. You see what other tracks are all about, and you potentially could copy this method, or you could do a little, you know, some some trick that somebody else is, is using. I'm not saying that. Everybody has to do it because if you're a real pro to your craft and you are f- all in on music, you might not need to do that. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm not. And you're asking about producers who are potentially, you know, juggling between like a corporate job or, oh, yeah. you know, doing it, doing this part time. Keep learning. Keep listening to other people's music. Yeah. Do uh, do some tutorials, sample packs. Yeah. And um, and attend some parties. That's for sure. Fucking go, go dance. Yes. Go dance. I love going dancing. That's the thing. I love going seeing other artists uh, yep. and uh, just, just, just fucking going all out and just, just shuffling and I love to dance. So. Hell yeah. You can't trust a DJ that fucking can't dance. Dude, no, I bet you're an incredible dancer with these impressions Aww. and these fucking jokes and everything. That's what, that's what I'm, she said. <laughs> I'm a, you know, you're, you're you Ukrainian Jew. I'm a, uh, <laughs> Boom. I'm an East Coast Jew, you know East what I mean? Coast like, Jew. I don't have really, <laughs> I don't have really good dance moves. Ah, <laughs> uh, you, I'm sure you do. I'm well, sure, I'm I'm just sure like, you got it going I, I'm on. I'm not technically an East Coast Jew. I'm technically a Midwest Jew, but my dad is from New York, and I'm about Boom. 98% like him. So I think that I lean towards that. But well, can you dance Hava Nagila? That's all that matters. Hava Nagila, Hava Okay, okay, okay. Last question. For sure. What can we expect the rest of this year? You got any releases you can tell us about? Got any shows coming up? The world is opening up again. Thank God. Yes. Um, so, first of all, my my day job wound down, so I'm just focusing on music. This is I'm going all in right now on yes. music. So you you can expect a lot of fucking crazy collaborations. A lot of the stuff that was already made last year is going to be coming out. Look out for some releases. We got a new uh, collaboration with the Beats coming out on Stay Bad compilation. Uh, I got some projects going back and forth. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year. I mean, I'm so stoked to just be around people again. Yeah, me too. I man. mean, you can cough on me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Please make coughing normal again. Uh, I am excited to just hug people and play tunes and there's so many opportunities like I said in San Diego right now is blowing up we got I got two gigs this weekend in San Diego and I'm too super stoked Fuck and yes. you'll see a lot of new music dropping for sure because I'm never stopping I'm not fucking leaving I'm not, I'm not fu- fucking leaving I'm not fucking leaving dude this has been such a pleasure dude I'm glad we got to line this up um I do want to say again, like, I'm such a big fan of you and your music. Like, for real, bro. Like, your shit is my bread and butter. It means, for means real. a lot. Specifically, hold on, let me tell you the track <laughs> that's my favorite. Oh, you gotta look it up, huh? 
I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> you are putting me on the spot. Well, I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. You know, I have notes here. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I got you. I got you, Joe Rogan of, of House. I'm an investigative journalist. Okay, I do my research and I want to make sure I deliver the information right. Fair enough. You're one thing, EP, bro. One thing, like that is my fucking shit. Oh right shit. That groovy baseline. Yes, that Papa Marlin came up with both both of those baselines. I have to say. Well, the whole the whole entire track, like tracks entirely. Yeah. And me on the books. That's Boom. you on the books, so I'm, yeah. I wanted to give you another honorable mention. Acid there. in my body, acid in my mind. Definitely inspired by, by I would say, Green Velvet. I mean, him doing his books. That was, that's how it all started. I was you like, were a young Green Velvet. Do you realize that when you, when you talked into the, <laughs> into the headphones when you were in Ukraine? You that's right. That? That's right. I just I, I, I couldn't fucking do the percolator yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the percolator. Fuck yeah, yeah man. What a legend, man. Fucking Curtis is amazing. He's... I mean, without him, we we probably wouldn't be here. No, shout out to Chicago house music. That's right. I I definitely got the we got the boys, the boys in the hood. Over hood here. But shit, I wish I had a green green velvet fucking hoodie right now. But I just didn't bring it with me. The the relief <laughs> the relief records. I want to have a re- relief rec- records re- release soon. Uh, I know Papa Marlin already did, but uh, that's before we met. So we're definitely working on a hopefully a relief to put. To, you know, come full circle to Chicago, baby. Yeah. Bondar, my man. What a pleasure. Sherm. Amazing. My guy. Amazing, dude. Hell yeah. What a good time. It's genuinely, I fucking love it.